the check and check attendees fashion tips more gay h&m blobs of fur said this earlier but this is recording corwin checking in just want to say a huge huge thank you to tara sister for making our theme music and with that on to the pod hello and welcome to today's episode of check and tendies i have great expectations that we're not going to go a month between recording again and you know with my check and fun out of the way welcome to the episode all right how are we feeling today how are you doing today i'm doing great i just got cats so it's amazing that's my hello, day how are you doing I'm doing so well. It's nice and sunny out. I'm building a rink in my backyard. Very exciting. I'm not building any rinks anytime soon. And, you know, with our preamble out of the way, uh, I have something I really feel like we need to talk about. The new mascots. Have we seen them all? I know that the Pride got one. Toronto has one. And um, Minnesota decided to replace, oh god, what's the name of the one? Anyways, the the mascot, which was a puck with legs. Isn't it just Pucky? But Pucky, I thought, was the Connecticut mascot who they borrowed from the whalers. Oh, I don't know. They could have had two puckies. Anyways, what do we think of the new mascots? Very happy to say I have very little opinion whatsoever. Except that whenever I'm at Warrior and and Rory goes by me, I feel like I get a shiver down my spine, but I try not to think about it. I cannot stand Rory the prize mascot. Um one thing, creepy. Two things, second thing, why is it necessary for the mascot, which is a lion, to have eyelash? And I just don't like the Pride's mascot. I feel so uncomfortable every time I see that mascot. I just hate it so much. What makes you uncomfortable? Um, everything. Well, I mean, other than my issue with the eyelashes, I just... I don't know. I just... I don't... I really can't stand but, it. Um, but. I am genuinely, generally not a big mascot fan, except if it's, like, the giant ball of fur type, like, gritty. Gritty, I can, like, Deal with because gritty is not like terrifying, I guess. It's so, it's the eyelashes specifically that terrify you? The yeah. eyelashes just bother me, and I'm confused by why they aren't necessary. I'm gonna say, I think, okay, firstly, as a letting you know that this mascot is a girl mascot, I think eyelashes are better than bows, which are the other thing that you tend to see in that situation. But I will say that the eyelashes also creep me out but more because it makes you think that the mascot might start blinking, and I don't like that. Oh, God. That, that's worse. I hate- You're welcome. You're welcome. I don't know about gendering mascots. I've always seen mascots as not gendered, but I guess I hadn't thought too hard about it. People will gender everything, Tara. That's the issue. I know. That is the issue. There's a mascot with the least gender, but closely followed by the Dallas Stars mascot, which is Victor E. Green. It's like a mix between the Philly Fanatic and the Red Sox, Red Sox mascot, Wally. You definitely put a lot more thought into this than I have, and I'm happy hey, about that. Hey, you know how much time I've spent thinking about mascots? You made so a mascot. Much. Where yes. is your blob of fur mascot? It's a virtual mascot, so it's only going to be on digital things. But that is, we were supposed to get plushies. But, like, I you see, want... I more thought the stuffed animal version. But, like, you know, that one's chill. It's just a blob. It's no gender. It's literally just a purple fuzzy ball with legs. It's As like, it should you, be. Can you explain to listeners like what the mascot is? Because I don't know that everyone knows about it. Yeah, so last season, the Pride, not the Pride, the PHF ran a competition for designing a mascot, like for their, I think, the league and their digital stuff. So I ended up winning, but I drew this kind of purple ball of fuzz with goalie pads and a jersey 
and some horns. It's just like, uh, you know, those balls of fluff from my neighbor Totoro, like one of those, but purple and a goalie, and and their name yeah. is Goal E Tender, which is great. And we were like tweeting like, oh, there should be a stuffed animal, and I don't remember who it was, but there was some like, yeah, maybe in the future, and then it never happened. And it I want to happen. Yeah, it needs to happen. I would love to own a Goal E Tender plush animal. I wonder if my new cats would like that. They would play with it. They would probably eat it. Yeah, no, well, nice. they're like, it, it's it's a green ball of, they're a green ball of, not green, they're a purple ball of fluff with a PHF jersey and goalie pads. Nothing nothing at all wrong with that. There's no fluff. Yeah, they're, they're not gendered, and they're also not, I don't know, gonna walk up behind you and tap you on the shoulder. Oh and my god. their eyelashes at you. <laughs> All right, so mascots covered. I think the second most exciting news since in the last month since the season started, since we recorded, is that one of us played in a professional hockey game. I'll give you a hint, it wasn't me, okay. and it wasn't Laura. I have not played in a professional hockey game. That's a pretty good hint. <laughs> I watched that game, and I made my mom watch it, and she said that Tara was really great. And I agree. Aww. I think Tara's... The whole game, I was like, yeah, Tara, you blocked that shot. Good stuff. Congratulations. And I also thought you did a great job with your walk-up fit. Um, as someone it who identifies vaguely in the vicinity of trans, I thought that the Protect Trans Kids shirt was a very cool thing to do with your walk-up photo shoot moment. So thank you for that. A, a youth who is part of the you know umbrella trans. It was very cool. Also, your suit. I, I really like your suit. Just, Thank you. Um, I, yeah, it was very cool. I've been looking. I need to look for a suit recently. And you're just very, very nice suit. I actually got that suit from H and M. So nice. It wasn't like super expensive, but it's really comfy, and I wear it to work a lot. So yeah, it matched the the shirt that I wore. The check and fin check and tendies fashion tips. More gay. H and M blobs of fur. Do you know how hard it is to find pants that that are press pants? It's almost impossible. I needed them for a concert I was performing in. It's just hard to find yeah. pants in general. In general, yeah. Pants like, are... There, there are so few pants in the world. I wonder if people's, like, legs are built much more differently than people's upper bodies. Because I feel like it shirts is. fit kind of, like, more universally. And then pants are, like, everyone is so different. Well, I know that I wear legs. I can't find knee braces that fit because um, I have enough musculature built up in my thighs and my calves that my knee is actually, the knee itself is narrower than the uh, other two parts. So knee braces don't fit me because they're too loose. Hashtag hockey knees. Which, wow. Yeah. Which means that I was, I need to, be, I want to get a pair of tailored pants because I, I also gain my prom suit now because I will not have a free weekend between now and prom, which is during softball season. So I was getting it now, and I wanted some, you know, nice tapered pants. Turns out I have too much leg, like calf, to get tapered enough. Known hockey problems. Yeah, the the calves are big, the quads are big. I'm like, hey, yeah, no, I already had like legs before hockey, and now it's just even more so. You know, more the legs. best fitting pants I found recently: softball pants. Those right. fit like a dream. I love I wearing that. my softball pants because. They're designed, I guess, to have legs, and they're so comfortable. It's like wearing britches, but without having to deal with canvas pants. You should really just be looking for softball pants to wear prom. 
Yeah, no, just like show up. And, I mean, I'm sure I know that women's baseball is a thing. Maybe they have like special like women's baseball pants, which are just like softball pants that are full length. Maybe sometime in the future we could ask a potential guest about softball and baseball pants. I wonder. I wonder if that might eventuate and how that how that would go. Something to think about for the future. What else do we have on the on the docket? All right, the standings as of right now on the PHF website. Boston Pride are in first with 13 points. They have only lost one game. The six with 12 points. The Force have seven. The Rivs have six. Caps have five. Buttes have four. Whale has one. They've only played two games. So the Buttes. So at the moment, it's kind of Pride and six, and then everyone else in descending order. And Pretty close and then six will not be able to be caught up with this weekend. According to math. According to math. Yeah, and then we have the Connecticut and Beats games were postponed, so they won't be anywhere near the same number of games as the others for a while. Um, and so it's play for the first time in five weeks next weekend against Boston. So that should be a good matchup. Not that you're biased. Nope. Biased me? No. Yeah, no. Right. Um, so we've had a month of hockey, which has been excellent. I've loved watching hockey again. I missed it so much. Um, not that there isn't hockey, hockey in the summer, but so what are some general observations y'all have had during this last month of hockey? They're really fast. People skate really, really fast. And a lot of the goalies um, are less strong up at the top half of the net than they are in the bottom half. That's a very general observation. Good job. Do you mean by that, like, goalies are stronger with, like, lower shots and yes. are struggling yes. with higher shots? You know, well, something I something I noticed, actually, was um, there have been, like, three or four instances where goalies are being beat top shelf while they're in their RVH. Um, and I my observation is just that I think that if you're below six feet, like you shouldn't be using the RVH with any pucks outside, like the dot. Anything in tighter, it's fine. But like in the scenarios in which these goalies are being scored on, a lot of the time, what's happening is like they're they're staying down, um, and just because of like the height difference. Like in the NHL, you can get away with that, but in our league, like you don't have goalies that are six foot two. Really, like that's not the average height. The, the three okay. tallest goalies in the league right now Six, one, five, are, 11, five, 11. are Ives, Schroeder, and Solander. But could you explain what RVH is for the non-goalies in our audience and for me who's forgotten what an RVH is again? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so RVH stands for reverse VH, which means stands for reverse vertical horizontal, which is a very confusing way of just saying like, any sense. That makes no sense. But really what it is is when the puck's behind the net and the goalie is down with their pad on the post their the the pad is on the ice um flush with the post and their other leg is up and they they use the other leg to kind of like hinge in and out oh yeah so you've probably seen that a lot that actually has a name um and the idea is that the idea is that you're like loaded on the post so you're covering you're sealing the post um down low and also like are able to come out of that position without lifting up your foot so you can push right off the post and use the post as leverage. Um, and you don't need to like lift up your foot and put your blade on the ice. So it, it I mean, gives you like a little bit more efficiency and like helps seal the bottom part of the net. You're supposed to be able to push off the post, but uh, right. that's, Not uh, 
it's not always well i mean i don't know if that is a goalie skills thing that i don't know about but you are supposed to be have the post stay where it is which is not always the case um i think i mean i don't have stats on this but i think it's happened less than last season but we have seen several times this season where a net has come off and like even a few times in a game i don't remember which game it was that i was watching that happen a few times in one game but it made a difference yesterday in the Whitecaps Riveters game. Um, there was one point where somebody knocked into that. It was Mackinac, right? Um, net for the Rivers, Rivers last night. Um, and the net came off and play continued. Nobody noticed. So she pushed it extra to show that the net was off. And then she was penalized for delay of game. The Whitecaps scored on that penalty. The Rivers lost by one goal. And like, on the broadcast, they showed multiple angles, which all showed that the net was already off when she shoved it to get more attention to that, which is like, if a goalie's pads are messed up or the net is off, like, play's supposed to stop. And like, you see them, they'll, they'll like wave at the refs to say, hey, this is up, you should do something about this. So it is yeah. messed up that that's what decided the game was a very obvious mistake by the refs that we saw on the broadcast. Like it was very clear. In my experience, like getting the ref's attention as a goalie is, even though I, I played much, much lower level, it's remarkably difficult. Normally I've had to alert one of my teammates, which can take a while if the plays not in your end or if there's not a stoppage, I'll have to alert one of my teammates to either tell the coach or to tell the ref if something happens. And I mean, not being able to, having a post you don't trust, even if, you know, even if you could tell it's a little bit wobbly, but it's not out yet, it's really hard to play with. Even like for me in practice, we don't use like the PHF, at least at Warrior uses postage or um, similar to what the NHL does with marsh bags. So if you've been following the men's hockey, that's been a whole controversy. But even at the level I play, we just have pegs where you like bang into the ice and will spike at the bottom. And if I don't trust the net not to move, I'm going to not lean on the net as much. I'm not going to use what Tara was saying with the RVH. I'm not going to seal up the edge of the post as much, which means there are goals that could go in. Luckily, it hasn't happened to me where I can't do anything really because I'm afraid I'll knock the net off. And I haven't read, I also haven't read the rules of officially on what the standing is for the PHF with nets coming off, but it's, you don't really don't want your net off. It will sometimes cause play, but I've had a net be by about a foot off on one side from the post and just nothing has happened. Like I've had to reset it myself. Um, multiple times and having your net come off is it's one of the most annoying things that can happen to a goalie it's, yeah it's not good it, yeah it kind of takes your focus away from the game if you're worrying about the net being off and I've had the same I've had a similar experience as you Cor, where it's like really hard to alert the refs sometimes because they're focused on the play too so um you know they're trying to do their job and you're trying to yell net 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 that's off yeah, um, I'm definitely not like trying to uh speak poorly refs I, I think refereeing is fascinating and I, i've read the rule book and they do have a hard time but sometimes you know the goalies the one you have to worry about the least on the ice because they're least likely to cause an infraction um but yeah no i think nets coming off it's it's annoying it's really just something that that little bit can just throw you off so much i do remember even just off the top of my head that there was at least one goal so far this year that the goalie was sealed to the post for and it went through like a little gap and if you can't trust that you can seal all the way, I feel like there's going to be more of those little gaps that people can score through. 
scoring chances. It feels like for me, at least it's a hallmark of girls hockey and from the level I've been playing. So I've played some with boys and they won't go for the side, but those side ones is the ones where I found are the most dangerous. Um, so I've gotten really good about sealing it up because that's where I felt like the majority of the goals scored on me came from in the early part of my season with my fall league team. But that side of the post, I feel like is the most dangerous <laughs> dangerous place to get scored on. Tara, do you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, the side of the post can be hard, especially like if you're saying that you can't trust whether the net's going to stay on or not. That definitely does affect like how much weight you're putting into I'm more worried about seeing someone carrying the puck who I know is puck counting skills wrapping around the net, but I'm worried about a point-blank breakaway attempt. Yeah, so with the wraparounds, especially if you're using your RVH, um, there's a few different ways to use it. There's the there's the shin on post, there's skate on post, and then there's toe bridge on post. I um, shin lock, skate lock, and toe lock. Yeah, exactly. Um, so those of you who are listening... Uh, there's different ways for you to seal your post, and some of them are more effective than others. I would say that my preference is to use the toe bridge. The reason being is because the shin on post, you don't, you can't get as much leverage. You can't get as much push off the post with that. And skate on post, um, in that scenario, you actually do leave a little bit of a gap where your skate and the ice is. And I've seen, actually, even this season, I've seen pucks go in that way. Um and that's like that's a personal preference. Some people have a hard time hitting their toe bridge, which is the space between your skate toe and your pad. Some people have a hard time hitting that on the post. You have to be like very exact. Um, something that can really help help you with that though is actually just like increasing the space between your skate and the pad. So if you if you use laces to tie the pad toe to your skate, just like making the gap a little bit bigger, um, so you have more of like more space to just more room for error basically. But I find that that's the most effective because you're sealed in and you get the most leverage off your post. So this is clearly extremely technical, not a lot of margin for error, and something you want to be able to trust in if you're going to do your job. And for me as a viewer, just watching that, it was like watching this bad call be made, which, you know, you see bad calls and people say like, oh, the ref sucked there. But like Ingles proving it was a bad call in real time. And then the fact that that was what decided the game, it's just not a great look for a professional league. So and that is my opinion. of calls from refs that are called bad calls are ones that they just like couldn't see or was moving too fast. Um, but this one was blatantly a bad call. I just, you know, want to make sure that everyone knows that not all bad, apparently bad calls by refs are bad calls. They're just sometimes you can't see it. But this one was just, it's so blatantly just not right. Because it can be really just like, hard to get someone's attention and if, if what it takes is pushing the net off a little bit because it wasn't like pushing it off from standing it was pushing it, it off was already off. off she just slid it further yeah so the check intendees podcast with no bias feels that the goaltender was in the right in this situation yeah, the goalies podcast favors the goalies um right, yeah any- no, i understand like it's hard for a ref um you know, in the game, it's it's sometimes you don't have the right angle. Sometimes you just aren't like looking at that in particular. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe somebody's like, you know, getting rough with somebody else behind the pucks. So you're like not paying attention. But um, I think in this scenario, what would be helpful um, is just being able to like video review that and have like direct access to that for the refs. I don't know if that's like a possibility um, because it 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 was something that the viewers could see. Um, but the refs don't have the same angles. Like we have a good angle on the on the, the play, especially if they're replaying it three or four times for us. But I just wonder if we can 
make sure that the refs have all those resources as well. I mean, I think the PHF is doing increased video review. I remember seeing a um, press release about it. Yeah, but it's still about what can trigger a review. And I don't think that that was one of the things. I mean, obviously they didn't get to review that and change the call based on that or else they presumably would have based on the information that we have. But uh, okay, I think that's enough talk about this one bad play. Um, other things we've noticed in general so far this month, uh, I think play has been faster. I think there's no, been games faster last year. I think that's really cool. Like, even very from watching general. Pride games, I'm used to seeing Ali Thunstrom being faster than everybody else on the ice. Like, noticeably a lot faster. She's not this year. I feel like people, even on the Pride, her teammates are keeping up with her, just even for being able to receive passes and the other team is as well. It's really cool to see that and how fast it's getting. Yeah. yeah, the Pride has a lot of talent, so that's uh, not unexpected, too. But it's just so fast. All right. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at the list of, of new things, but it's been like so long. Okay, um, three new rinks, American Dream, um, the ISCC, which hasn't happened yet, um, Minnesota's new rink, um, Montreal. So I, I want to say I got to go to Montreal for their first game. It was so great. Um, over 2,500 people at Verdun Auditorium, which is a very nice setup. Um, the energy in there was amazing. Like, it just felt so good. And uh, it was such a good game. Uh, was it Jay Danny Landry, first hat trick in the Force history at their first home game. Um, and she also had the two points on, on Enzo Fibati's two goals there. That was pretty awesome. Five point game for the rookie. Love that. Um, and then the next game as well, they came really close. Um, Riveters won it with a goal in the last minute. I think at the start of the season, there were some question marks around Montreal and how competitive it was going to be, considering like some of those players have played together in different leagues. You know, some as a new team, so you're not really sure how it's going to come together. But they've split all their weekends. They split versus the Buttes. They split versus the Riveters. And they won last night, but again, in a shootout. So that's very close. So the parity there is really good. So that's, that's great yeah, to they're, see. They're a really good team. And I'm excited to see what they can do um, like as, as the season, season progresses. Like weirdly, I'm really excited to see this team in playoffs. Like, yes, I know that's so far away, but I feel like this team is going to be really good then. I don't, I don't know why, but it feels like that's like what they, they're giving that energy. I think something that stands out a lot for me for Montreal is their offense. They're very fast and they have such good uh, awareness. Their heads are always up and their the passes that they're making are instantaneous. Like they, as soon as they receive the, receive the puck, they know exactly where it's going next. And I think that that's like really evident in, in how many goals that they've scored already this season. Like it's always a high scoring game for them. Although right now they're actually losing 2-1 to Montreal, or to um, Montreal, Connecticut. But yeah, their their offense is really like where I think a lot of their success is going to come from, um, and I think part of that has to do with like you said, just playing together previously. Like they already have that um, that cohesion, uh, and that they already have like they already have that chemistry going for them. So that's that's really good, especially for a new team to look at. All right, outside the PHF, is hockey being played, which is great. Um, the PHF paused for the IHF international break. There were nine PHF players 
from four countries in three tournaments. So the first one of those was the Five Nations Tournament. Oh, and there's like multiple Euro hockey tournaments in different months, but I'm just talking about the ones in, oh, what month is this, November? So the Five Nations Tournament in Finland was gonna be four games each for Sweden, Czechia, Germany, Finland, and Switzerland. Um, those teams along with the US and Canada and then France who just won promotion are the top division. So this is a good way to see how those teams are doing. The Czechia German team, excuse me, Czechia Germany game got canceled because power went out. So they just played three games. So there were five PHF players in that tournament. They all played for Czechia. Uh, Nate Taralova of the Pride, um, Teresa Vanasova of the Six. She had three goals. She had a goal in each of those games. Um, Karina Morozova of the Whale had assists on two of them. Uh, Dominika Laskova of the Six and Denisa Krišova of the Whitecaps each had an assist in those games. Uh, Czechia came in second, and Finland was the only team that was able to beat them, which is notable if you remember that at the most recent Worlds, Finland was relegated to Group B while Czechia beat them and ended up with a bronze medal. So interesting way to see how that's going to shape up at the next Worlds. And then something I thought that was really cool that happened at that tournament was Vendula Pribilova, who is one of the players on Czechia, drew a tripping penalty from a Finnish player, which was during a Finnish power play. So that would have evened things out. Um, but she went over to the ref and told them that she hadn't been tripped. So they did not end up getting that penalty. Games don't count towards like the international score or like the rank that determines which country goes where. So it's like a tune-up game. There are a lot of players there who aren't on the national team typically. So it's like a, a, a chance for teams to see what they can do and, and what these players can do, try new situations. So I thought that was a really neat thing to do at a tournament like that where the points don't super duper matter. Uh, interesting. Um, that was interesting this week, last weekend watching the six and and the pride play with the Czech players. It's like, it seemed to be a lot of like rough play going on between them. That's interesting. Observation. Something that might be looked into in the future. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, the other Euro tournaments, over that break was in France. It was four nations tournament. It was gonna be three games each for Norway, France, Hungary, and Slovakia. Um, Taylor Baker of the force, uh, she plays on the Hungarian national team. She was the only player at that tournament and she scored one goal in those three games and Hungary came in first and they lost their only game to France who had just won promotion again. Um, and that was by a score of zero to one. So tight in those divisions, great to see. The other international tournament during and after that break was the rivalry series. There was three games between the U.S. and Canada all took place in the Pacific Northwest. Um, the PHF players at those games were Elizabeth Jaguer and Lauren Gable for Team Canada and Becca Gilmore for the U.S. All of them are on the pride. Um, Jaguer and Gable both assisted on a goal by Marie-Philippe Poulin in the first game. And then they both took part in the shootout in that game and did not get those goals. Jaguer had an assist in game three. All right. Um, the course just tied it up with Connecticut. Irrelevant. Um, Very relevant, but... <laughs> Okay. Back to the, the women. Um, the other the other games. Isn't that great? We have so much women's hockey, we can interrupt one with the other. Love that. Um, okay, so the game three, the third game of the rivalry series was at the Seattle Krakens Arena, and that broke the record for the most fans in attendance at a national women's hockey game in the U.S., 14,551 fans. I think Seattle, if the PHF does destination playoffs, I think Seattle should host them this year. But I feel like... They should just do it because I feel like the piano likes women's hockey, and I think that'd be cool. But this is like pure speculation and just like harebrained theories on my part. I've heard people say that that is a great 
hockey destination. There are a lot of, of teams there. There's a lot of junior teams there. I think um, some of the national team players are actually from there and like trained in like elite teams there. So like definitely an undersourced market something to look into in the future. I, really, I like yeah, I think it's cool seeing if women's hockey in different places. And I don't know. I think it's I think yeah, I, I wish there's just like more reporting on inter, uh, European women's hockey that um I can find easily. Oh wow. Connecticut scored again. Oh boy. Right, right. Okay, so the US won all three games of the rivalry series. Again, similarly to the European tournaments, these are not quote unquote meaningful games. And they're opportunities to get ice time um, for these teams in meaningful competitions or like against competitive teams that are not their own teammates. Um, it's an opportunity to have new got to try new tactics. So in those three games, the U.S. had seven players who had never played with the senior national team, six of whom are currently in the NCAA. Canada only had Jaguar, who had never been on the senior national team before. The, like the current team Canada has collegiate players, but they did not play in those three games. Um, Canada is having four collegiate players for the next set of two games in December for the rivalry series. Um, so that's good. Um, I am of the opinion, as I've said before, that they should be trying more new people because I feel like not having pressure for those roster spots or like, like, oh, maybe we'll have up to four new spots that we'll try out is like not good for your program. It's not good for the development of, of your game. It's not good for like people who are college hockey fans or like would follow those players to see them in the future. But like, if you don't have them, then they're not, you know, that draw isn't there. My only complaint for the US there is that Aaron Frankel, who is their youngest goalie just out of the NCAA last year, um, she did not play in any of those three games. Canada gave all their goalies one game. Frankel dressed for two, didn't play. She has only played in, in well, she played in two games in the first two PWHPA showcases. So this is a goalie who's going from the NCAA schedule, which is more than 30 games a year, to the pro schedule, I guess, where she's playing with, you know, Team USA in the PWHPA, but she's not getting games. So my question is, like, if you know, like, and she has the fewest games of any of the PW goaltenders. So, like, if she's not playing there, give her game time while you can. Like, you're just going to have her, like, sit out there and rust mold it. So confused what Team USA is doing with their goalies. I don't know what goalies do with her. Anyway, Team USA is doing something odd with goalies, and I'm just like confused. Like, like you said, Jay, this is not points that matter um, for international competition. So why don't you just like you know give your goalies a chance to see what you have, you know, and facing actual comp- facing like actual um players like other not even actual players, but seeing players who don't know how the goalie works from playing against them in practice. And they didn't have any collegiate players, so wouldn't have been anybody who played against her significantly recently. All right. The PW did have their third showcase at the Pittsburgh Penguins practice rink, which rumor has it, and by rumor, I mean Dan Rice of the Ice Garden has it. That is where the neutral side game between the Whale and the Force is going to be in a few months, which we say as we watch the Whale and the Force battle it out for the second game of their weekend, seems like that would be a good game, that location. Um, So PW standings. Team Harvey's has 16 points. They have only lost one of their seven games, led by Marie-Philippe Poulain and her eight goals and four assists for 12 points in seven games. Not too shabby. Um, Team Adidas has 10 points. Scotiabank has nine and Team Sonnet with seven. So actually kind of similar to the PHF where you've got one or two teams with a lot of points and then the other ones are kind of tight. 
Um, I've been looking at P PW stuff more. I'm just for jerseys. I feel like video game auto auto generated jerseys. And alternatively, I just don't like the colors. But I'm just oh, it could have been so much more fun things. I think there's only so much you can do when that is the template you're working with. I I like them for what they are. I thought the Harvey's one last season was really good. The dark one, I really liked it. Um, not a lot to work with, but you do what you can. Um, the PWB likes to be in action in Ottawa, December 9th to 11th for their all-star event, um, which will be on CBC Sports and possibly also on YouTube. Don't quote me. Um, and then we'll have their skills competitions, including speed, saves, and skills, I guess. Um, and also a three-on-three -three tournament. Exciting. I'm planning to watch it if I can get access to it. We'll see. Um, and then the last so international. Yeah, we got some last night with the whale in the forest. That was good. Um, okay, the last international event, um, which happened this past month, was the first IHF Women's Development Cup, which gives an opportunity for countries that don't have official teams in IHF competitions to get ice time and play games against other countries. This year, the tournament took place in Kuwait and included five games for six countries, which were Kuwait, Andorra, Colombia. Ireland, Luxembourg, and the United Arab Emirates, UAE. Colombia and Ireland don't have ice rinks in the countries. Like I, I looked up, Ireland has like a few, but they're not like year round and they're not all like regulation size. So this is this event is really important for them to get to play on regulation rinks, um, which makes it even more impressive that Colombia went undefeated in the tournaments and took first place. So I saw they tweeted that out. Do well in the, um, the one that the, the Latam Cup. Yes. Yes, they did. They did very well there too. And this is that's the thing. So like they're clearly like making stuff happen, but they just need more opportunities. So it's really cool that this tournament happened. Um, when I saw the IHF tweeted out about that, I got kind of teary about that because as a Latina person, you don't get to see like Latina players or teams a lot. Like there are a few. There's like three or four NHL players right now and none of them are on teams that I watch um and in women's hockey like I, I only know of like two or three Latina players and I think only like one of them might be playing right now so this was really cool to see and I hope to see more of it in the future it is time for the puck personality question how, how do we want to pick up this week where is my thing anyways what is what is the force whale score right now Three, two, uh, for Canada. <coughs> yeah. Let's go with 32. All right, there's also been more questions I need to add to my spreadsheet. But question number 32, which teammate has the smelliest equipment? We have, I, I don't think we can answer that one. Well, I can go on that Terry one. can answer that one. The answer is mine. And oh. it's funny that you asked that question because just on Wednesday in practice, everyone was like, oh my God, it smells so bad. And I was like, it's my gear, I'm so sorry. Okay, why does your gear smell so bad? It's just pure hard work thing. Question though, um, is there perhaps a chance that in the near future your gear will not smell so bad? Um, well, it's mostly my chest protector that smells bad, so no. Okay. Although I did apply some Old Spice to the chest protector, so that actually did help. But otherwise, you gotta like, it's hard to wash. It's hard to wash that one. I wouldn't know. I, I hope I will continue to not know. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, for your, for your thanks, thanks. All right, should we try another question? Maybe 23. 
Slytherin. Uh, yes, that, that's another option. Let's let's do that. See if it's any funnier. Uh, number on the list twenty three. Have you learned any new skills of late? <laughs> like hockey related skills? Just in general. Well, I learned how to record on my phone, and then I didn't do it. So, I uh, I got to talk to a few players and and some assorted other folks while I was in Montreal. And um, I only remembered to record one of those conversations. So some of those quotes will not be used. But I, I learned on the last one, so that is a skill that I learned and will be continuing to develop moving forward. Hi, I'm working on learning how to juggle. I spent a lot of time just working on juggling, setting, looking at a wall, just trying to juggle. I have been actively trying to learn how to juggle since like first grade at my middle and elementary school. We did a circus unit in gym class. We worked on juggling there. I went to circus camp as a kid. I still can't juggle very well. I'm getting, I'm closer than I've ever been to being able to juggle, but I have spent so long trying to learn how to juggle recently. You're on the cusp. I am on the cusp of being able to juggle. Hopefully all that hard work pays off for you. I really wanted to. I want to be able to juggle so bad. I believe you. Uh, for me, it's a non-hockey related skill. It's something I learned from TikTok, which often happens for me. Um, and it's how to properly fold a cereal box top. Uh, I can't describe it in great detail here, but if you look it up, there's a way that you can fold the top of the cereal box to seal it properly without it coming out. Actually, I had another skill I've been working on, learning how to drive with a clutch. You know, very, very similar to juggling, but um, almost as useful in life. I think that the cereal box one is the most valuable and applicable life skill. I think everything else there, you can kind of take it or leave it, but you got to know how to fold your cereal box. For sure. You should send us that TikTok. I will absolutely send you that TikTok. Okay. It'd be like an exclusive thing that only the check intendees people know. I don't like cereal. <laughs> okay. All right. And on that note. Cluck, cluck. Cluck. Cluck, cluck. You can find us on the internet. Uh, Twitter right now. Check them. Underscore 10 days. Um, if you're listening to this, I assume you can spell it, or at least, I don't know, look at the spelling in our uh, podcast arc. Not spelling um, it again. We might be exploring new social medias later, but right now that's where we're at. And if you find us there, you can um, find more women talking writing on Inside the Rink. There's some really good articles coming out, one especially about the forest. And you can find Jay's writing at the Ice Garden. Woo! Right. Cluck, cluck.